So welcome everyone. My name is Brenda Viola. I work for Medical Solutions Supplier and we provide Lymphopress, which is a device that treats lipedema. But today we're gonna to continue in our series of interviews with lipedema ladies who have inspired me. I have fallen in love with this community of women because they are resourceful, they are resilient, they're powerful, and they have taken charge of their lives and fallen in love with themselves. And their message is one that will inspire many of you. And I'm so honored to have with me today, Catherine Hack. Catherine, nice to have you here. Thank you for having me, I'm delighted. Well, I found you through my new friend, Patty Cornute, who runs the Lipedema Fitness blog and Facebook page, and she's got so many followers. And she said, I got to tell you, Brenda, the most inspiring person I know is Catherine Hack. And when I saw your art, Catherine, it took my breath away. It's so beautiful. And people are going to find out more about how art has been part of your healing process with lipedema. And they're gonna see your art during this interview, which is super exciting. I know that a lot of people are gonna to wanna to find you right away. So when they go to Instagram, it's at Katherine Hack, right? Yeah, it's just Yep. Good, I'll put a graphic up so everybody, you're gonna get a bunch of new followers after this interview. But you know, you are a lipedema lady, but you didn't know you had lipedema until quite some time had passed. Let's go way back to mm -hmm. puberty. Did you notice something was different about the way your body was responding and reacting in general? Yeah, I did, I did. So <clears throat> my story starts very typically for folks that have lipedema. Um, my body started changing when I was a preteen. Um, and through my teenage years, it started to become obvious that the lower half of my body, mostly my hips, were wider and seemingly disproportionate to the top half of me. And <clears throat> that continued on. My body continued to sort of grow as I grew, but I lived most of my life um, sort of what, what has been termed small fat or medium fat. So there's sort of this whole paradigm of, of fatness in, in uh, fat liberation circles, and we'll talk about that more. Mm -hmm. But um, once I had children, my body changed radically. And then uh, it was after my two kids were born, and I was just physically in pain and um, emotionally in pain because I just hadn't hadn't undone some of the learning we do about fatness in our culture. And so um, I, I was in a lot of pain and I finally found out about lipedema and then my diagnosis came um, after I had done some research and then shared the information with my doctor. So this is a lifetime of knowing that you, there was something happening that you couldn't even control. And tell me about when you finally got to the point of getting a diagnosis. What led you to that point? Well, um, it's interesting because diet culture sort of instructs all of us that you actually can control your body. And so that's the painful part of the journey is that you're sort of, especially if you have lipedema or any other con medical condition where uh, weight gain is part of it and it's not necessarily connected to um, what we've been told diet and exercise will do for your body. Um, <clears throat> I was just 
putting my kids to bed and then I'd like to unwind watch watching TV or scrolling through Instagram or something like that. And actually I think it was Facebook, but I saw an NPR article where they discussed, um, someone was interviewed and they actually had the symptoms that I had and they're calling it lipedema. And so then I start doing some of my own research and I shared all that with my doctor and she, um, she diagnosed me. I came in and we did the clinical diagnosis and, and then it, it started from there. So then it was, oh, so all of the information I had about this was somehow um, my doing, that my habits were so poor that my body kept manifesting this. Um, and suddenly I was like, oh, actually, no, <laughs> um, th this is something else. And um, I've been lied to by diet culture. We've all been lied to, and we've been taught to feel shame about our bodies. And um, yeah, so once I had the diagnosis, it sort of proved to me that the culture around us that's constantly railing against living in a fat body um, was just wrong, was really, really wrong. And that I needed to educate myself about how to live in the body I live in and live with a chronic illness. What I love about your story and your journey so much, Catherine, is it was an evolution. You, yeah. you got your diagnosis, but the lights didn't come on automatically and you said, oh, I've been lied to here. And this journey to really what we're talking about is self-love and self-acceptance, which yeah. is so juicy and, and really the meat of what your message is. So Absolutely. You, your diagnosis. I want to go back to that because there are a lot of women out there who have yet to be diagnosed mm -hmm. and are trying to get someone to understand this is what I have. So yeah. you were kind of fortunate that your doctor was educated and open. Well, she was open and I did the educating. So she's a part of the Kaiser system um, that we have out here in California. And um, when she took the information that I shared with her and did her own research within Kaiser, she was like, yeah, nobody is talking about this. Um, there's this one person who's a vascular surgeon that even acknowledges it. Um, this is back in 2016. Um, so so I, I guess I am fortunate in that my doctor treated me like a person <laughs> and was willing to say, oh, you're right. Your symptoms are interesting based on what I know of you. And so, yeah, maybe there's something that I can learn about as well. Um, unfortunately, many of us have experienced that in the medical community, uh, doctors are resistant to that. Um, so, but again, I, I have this opinion now that I don't want to be so overcome with gratitude that someone just treated me with dignity. You know, mm -hmm. so I don't need to fall over myself with gratitude just for being treated like a person who I am the expert on my body, right? Um, that's one of the things that living with a chronic illness has taught me as well, that uh, again, when you grow up in a culture that keeps trying to have some new study and some new expert is going to tell you, eat these things and you're going to feel amazing and this is going to change your body this way. What we end up doing is we abdicate our own relationship with our body over and over and over again. And when I found out about my diagnosis, I was like, oh, all of that other stuff um, doesn't apply to me. And maybe I need to be the boss of me, right? Maybe I'm the one that's going to have to figure out how to, how to be well. Mm -hmm. And when I was first diagnosed, it's interesting, most people who do get diagnosed um, or, or have an inkling that maybe they have this condition, 
it's overwhelming at first because you feel a sense of validation of like, oh, right, there was something additional going on to my body uh, that was more than I've eaten more calories than I could burn today, right? Um, that's a big hurdle. Like, that's a big step to get to that point where you're like, oh, right, yes. So you feel like you've been gaslit forever because that hasn't been your experience. And then you feel validated. And then the next thing is you're overwhelmed because it's under-researched, it's, lipedema is under-researched, it's, it's, there's no cure. Um, and the, the way our bodies respond to it, everyone responds a little differently. And so yeah. you can try all these things, but you're going to have to like, hang in there for the long haul of like, okay, so what is my body saying to me, right? And again, it's that sensation of like, am I just going to abdicate control of this to these new experts? So you're trading old experts for new experts. And I, I do appreciate those that are in the field of researching lipedema. Um, and yet, all of their good advice doesn't always work for everyone anyway, right? We have to like, get in touch with us and figure out what are we gonna do to cope with this. And not what society necessarily says you should do. And you did your due diligence and researched a few different options. Yeah. And then your message is, I listened to my body. It did not yeah. feel good in my body to pursue path A, B, or C. And, and let me just put this banner out for everybody watching. And I always say this in all the interviews, we're not giving any medical advice. Right. We're talking about one woman's journey and what she has learned. And there are some people that have become experts in terms of athleticism or fitness, some about sure. intolerances, but your message was really about sort of hitting the mat and falling back in love with yourself. Right. Yeah. And so you did seek out potential quote solutions. Yeah. I spent that first six, eight months, maybe the full year, trying all the things that we were encouraged to try and like frustrated me. So, I mean, I tried the keto way of eating. I tried, uh, I did a lot of research about um, um, uh, liposuction, the water. I can't say the term anymore. I haven't used the term in a long time. The right. water. Assisted, yes. Um, right. And I even met with, um, a, you know, a, a plastic surgeon that does that surgery. And um, it didn't feel good to me. Um, and even after a while, doing um, the keto wave eating didn't, didn't feel good to me. I felt like it was, um, it just wasn't the right fit. Because at the same time that I got my diagnosis, I'd also first been exposed to this culture that I'm very immersed in now, which is the fat liberation world. Um, and so it's interesting, all of these things happened all at once where um, my body changed radically after having my two children. And I had a lot of shame about it and a lot of feeling that I was failing somehow. And then there was also this physical pain. And then um, I find out about lipedema, I do this research, I get the diagnosis, and right in that window of time, um, I'm exposed to the, the fact that there are humans in the world, women in the world, um, who are fat and are okay. 
and they've reclaimed the word fat. And actually, early in my journey, uh, for those of you who are listening who aren't as comfortable with the word fat as I am, um, I didn't get there overnight, but it has been something that just became a neutral word for me. So there is fat on my body. I live in a fat body. I identify as fat and that's a neutral term for me. And I've never had to hide it from my children. So fat in our home is just um, kind of pleasurable. So my kids can touch my soft, squishy body gently and, um, and it's not something to recoil from. And so the idea that fatness is bad is a socially uh, constructed idea. It's, it's just bias that we kind of pick up from living in the culture we live in. Um, so, so as I'm trying to figure out how do I cope with lipedema, how do I cope with this progressive condition, how do I reconcile it with these new things I'm learning about, like, it's okay to be fat. It's okay to live in a fat body. And once I was really immersed in like body liberation stuff, I started learning more about um, uh, the disability justice work that's happening in the world. And again, the lipidemia being progressive and chronic and there's no cure. Um, the idea that as a 42 year old woman who's already in a later stage, this progressing um, to disability, you know, has, has already happened to me. Um, and it was just, it's sort of amazing that these tools, I got the diagnosis and then I feel like these tools showed up in my life too so that I could find a path to cope. So you mentioned that other people find different ways to cope. And again, I'm a huge proponent of like, you as an individual person are going to have to find a way to navigate this. Yeah. And I found that making peace with my actual reality was how I was going to survive it. And, um, and art became my big tool to retrain my brain of what is acceptable. And when we see ourselves lovingly represented in art and media, it changes how we view ourselves. And so let's talk about your art before I go to your Instagram page. Mm -hmm. because to me, it's just some of the most beautiful work I've ever seen. And how you do it is shocking to me. And it's <laughs> going to be interested. But you always had an inkling that you were an artist, but you really never expressed. Oh, sure. You know, it's interesting because um, I have found that making peace with my body has liberated me, has sort of freed me from that cultural noise about my own worth and value. And it quickly spilled over to so many more areas. So the idea that I had a hard time identifying as an artist until I was 38 years old is because um, I grew up in a family where we were sort of blue collar and the working poor and uh, nobody was an artist. It wasn't a real job. So again, an external voice in my life had sort of said no <laughs> when I was a child and I was like, I want to be an artist. Um, and so we internalized that. That's why the idea that many of us still wrestle with body acceptance or fat phobia, it makes perfect sense to me. And I'm not in any way interested in condemning someone who has those internalized biases. It's a product of living in the culture that we live in. So it's perpetuated over and over. So the fact that I couldn't uh, call myself an artist until I was 38 was again an example of um, an external idea being internalized by me and then as i evolved and became more and more myself i was able to own what's real what's true about me and what's true about me is that i'm an artist that's a powerful sentence you just said becoming more and more myself absolutely that's an inside job 
Yeah. No matter how your outside changes or if it doesn't change, what's happening on the inside is the right. stuff of life. Right. And yeah. Your heart has flown flowed out of that. Yeah. And, you know, just to elaborate on that, when I was first diagnosed and I, I still was very steeped in body shame then, you know, learning about it being progressive chronic illness, the idea that inflammation makes it all worse, makes the pain worse. Um, it, it just, the dots connected really quickly that negative thoughts, like actively thinking negatively about your body or hating parts of your body um, was absolutely contributing to pain. So the only way for me to lessen my own suffering was to stop adding to my own suffering mm. by talking these, they're feeling these things about myself. Um, there's an interesting concept, and I'm sorry I can't think of the person who originated it right now, but there's the difference between clean pain and dirty pain. So clean pain is, I broke my arm, my arm really hurts. Dirty pain is, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to be homeless. I'm so stupid. Why did I do that thing? It was too risky. So when, when I started learning about that and I applied it to my relationship with my body, and the fact that I have a chronic illness, right? So this is this true thing about myself, um, and there is physical pain involved. So if I can take the physical pain and the challenges that exist and, and let that be the only challenge, and then do the work to get rid of the extra dirty pain of my fat body is a, is a cause for shame. I am not as worthy as someone in a thin body. Um, I can't wear the clothes that I am attracted to wear. Stuff like that, right? So I am not saying that that's an easy thing. I'm saying it's a process, but it's what I had control over. I don't have control over my body necessarily, but I have control over how I feel about my body, the information I bring into myself, what I choose to internalize about my body. I love that message because how you feel is yeah. related to the thoughts you think. It and is. I often say, I wouldn't speak to my worst enemy the way I entertain some negative self chatter. And I've learned, had to learn how to evict those bad tenants because yeah. everybody's got something and everybody's right. got the space between their ears that they can control. So right. you mentioned it's not easy, it's work, but it's a constant process of checking that thought, isn't it? Yeah, now here's an interesting thing. So I happen to be a very spiritually minded person as well. And um, I have found a lot of spiritual modalities to be really, really helpful in this process. And so you use the word evicting a negative self-thought. And I'd like, to, I'd like to propose that instead of trying to evict something that we, we think is maybe painful, we offer it compassion. Hmm. We were all, right, let's, all right, let's do that. Let's do yeah. that. So yeah. I think to myself, and I'm yeah. speaking on behalf of many out there, I'm such a loser because I look like this. Yeah. Yeah. How do I have compassion with that thought? The, the practice that I've, I've started to use is where I address myself uh, in the third person. And so if I were Brenda and that was my thought, I would say, Brenda, I'm so sorry that you're not worthy in the body that you're in. And so you're just loving the part of you that believes that, Right. And then it just quiets the part of us that has to make the noise. And so 
you know, uh, just recently, I just decided, you know what, I am messy. I felt like shame about being messy my whole life. Because again, culturally, we see all these images of like someone who's a real grown up, um, their house isn't full of clutter. And I was like, you know what, a lot of artists are messy. I, I have always been messy. And um, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop feeling bad about that. Mm. So, yeah. So, um, you know, Catherine, I'm sorry that it's not okay for you to be messy. Catherine, I'm sorry you're less of a grown-up because you're messy. Catherine, I'm sorry that this is something to be ashamed of. I'm sorry your messiness equals bad, equals dirty, equals rejection. And so, and then I get to just live with the fact that, you know what, this is part of me. I get to be a fully human person. And um, so I'm going to be okay with that. Now, this is after I've done a lot of the work around my body. It's interesting yeah. that, you know, I'm not saying my body uh, because I did that work and it doesn't even feel like a story in my head anymore. And yet I live in a quite large body. My lipedema has advanced. Um, it's been even more painful since sheltering in place. I don't have access to the swimming pool or some of the other things that I've chosen for myself to help uh, deal with the pain. Um, and yet, uh, the other day I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love the part of me that, that feels messy. And, and like, like, I'm not riddled with body shame. I'm, I'm absolutely free of that, even though I still have pain in my body, even though this condition that I don't have control of um, still has progressed. And that feels like freedom. Well, it is freedom. And how the energy that you carry as a result shifts yeah. your world. You yeah. had said to me that recently, you know, after making this shift and the being yeah. in a place of self-compassion, right? you went out and instead of feeling judged by people what was their reaction to you yeah this was um well before shelter in place um i i have some memories of before i was diagnosed my body was quite large after the children um and i felt riddled with shame so i would take my kids to parks and things like that and i would i would experience um, fat phobia in our culture. I felt like other parents weren't making eye contact with me. Um, I felt like I would get sort of side eye from people. And I was just out trying to take my kids to the park, you know. Um, and then skip ahead, after I've done a lot of this work, um, and I just was meeting up with a friend for coffee, and I, I'm walking from where my car is to the front of the, the coffee shop, and um, two different strangers were like, you are just radiant. And I was just like in a good mood, you know, I had on like kind of cute clothes, but living in an even larger body than, you know, a few years earlier. And um, I walked away from those exchanges feeling like, what's the variable that changed? Was it the strangers? I mean, maybe, but I think the, the variable that changed was me. I was no longer feeling ashamed of my body as I was in the world. I was just in the world, excited to go have coffee with my friend. And then, yeah, the human beings that saw me were like, <laughs> they just came up to a stranger were like, do you know that you're radiant? And I was like, well, thank you. I do know, actually. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we all know, watching and listening to you right now, you said so many important nuggets there. And one of the things I've always said is my messes are my message. 
If I'm perfect, mm. how can I relate to anyone anyhow? And isn't it's not perfection that moves people or touches their hearts and souls. Yeah. It's not perfection yeah. that does that. So I want to share your art now. And this is like my favorite part in the whole world. And I hope that I can do my technology right. There you are. There you are. Yay. Okay. Everybody look at this. This is Catherine Hack's art. And you said what, how powerful is it to see images of people that look like you right. in the culture, in the art? Let's yeah. talk about that for a minute. Sure. Well, um, okay, so it started again with the silhouette that we think of when we think of lipedema is, you know, like sometimes a pear shape or column legs. And obviously we hadn't seen that enough. Um, and so my work really started with me just trying to do representational art. And I would ask individuals to be my models. You know, you mentioned you interviewed Patty. Patty was one of my very first muses. I have a lot of pieces using her silhouette. It's a really powerful, loving silhouette too. Yes. Um, and yeah, and then I started to notice that as I continue to make the art, um, I use my own silhouette. I use many people. I use people who do do have lipedema and those that don't. Um, yeah, I started to identify myself as fat um, and then make pieces like this where my goal is to just neutralize a word that has been used as a weapon, yeah. right? Yeah. And again, like, I, I don't feel the sting of the word fat. Um, and... I would propose that for anyone who's listening out there who it's still not a word that they make peace with, I feel like as an individual, you can decide to, if you want to, make peace with that. And sure, it's a journey. It didn't happen for me overnight either. But the freedom of it um, feels worth the effort to make peace with that word. And so this is my body. Um, and then the text all over the physical form is just the same thing that's above it. Is fat is just neutral. I identify as fat. Fat is a descriptor. It's okay. So when I saw your images, I thought, wow, she must have a studio. And I see you with an easel <laughs> and paintbrush. And when you told me how you create this, I was blown away. Tell yeah. us. Okay. So in this photograph, um, I happened to have clothes on. I was just sitting on my living room floor. I staged a little selfie with a self-timer on my camera, my cell phone. On your cell phone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my cell phone. And then I, there are a lot of uh, phone apps available now. You know, even like if you have like an iPad or some kind of tablet, there's a million art apps. And so um, when I first had the kids, I needed an artistic outlet with no mess. And so I started getting really interested in digital arts, just what I could do on my phone or like a tablet. Um, and so I played with that for a couple of years, just making, like I spent a lot of time making sort of fabric designs and, um, it sort of familiarized me with some of these different apps so that when I started to want to do, um, figurative art and body liberation art, um, I sort of had all the skills already. And so this particular piece, I, uh, took this photo and then I, I, uh, digitally erased the background and then I printed it and then I painted on top of photo paper. <laughs> All with your cell phone. Well, I mean, I, I did physically paint this one. So, um, I painted a version of this. So 
once I've painted it, I take another photo of it and then I digitally manipulate it more and more. So this one has been manipulated <laughs> so many times. If you look through my feed, um, you'll see that I use the same silhouettes over and over in some of my work. Um, and so the, the original, I think the original color is sort of teal and green and then, um, yeah, and then I just turn it black and white on a phone app, and then I can layer through other phone apps all kinds of different um, imagery on, on top of it. Any word has the power we assign to it. Sure. It's so true. You know, I have been described as overly sensitive, and that <laughs> used to wound me. And then I'm like, wait a minute, that's my superpower. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. all you have, how you choose, what's the story you tell yourself about it? Right. And there's, there's that work. I want to look yeah. at some more, more of your, your colors are amazing. There's that message, life is messy and it's okay to be messy too. Ah, yeah. And that's the external and the internal, right? Like sensitivity. I agree with you. It's a superpower. I'm also pretty sensitive. And, um, and so my emotions are often messy. You know, there's a lot going on in our world. So we spent a little time talking about this yesterday. This is deep. Yeah. And I actually asked the question, what is ableism? Let's mm -hmm. talk about this. Ascribing moral superiority to being healthy or eating healthy is healthism, which is actually ableism. So right. let's break that down. Okay, I'm going to break it down. I'm going to go back just a smidge further. So in my work as a fat activist, and uh, I do make body liberation art, um, I first want to say that when we think about fat phobia in our culture, there is a lot of really fascinating research that shows us that that is, is as a part of white supremacy, it's a racist construct that has been permeated into our culture. So there's this brilliant book, and I'm sorry, I can't think of the author right now. It's called Fearing the Back Black Body, and it connects these dots, right? And so when I think about the kind of liberation work that I do, I really want to take a moment and just say that specifically women of color and black women have laid all the groundwork for fat liberation, body liberation, and, um, and even disability activism. So as I started educating myself more and more about throwing off systems that don't work for us, right? So living in a culture that is insisting we conform to this thin ideal, which is a very Eurocentric white kind of ideal, um, there, the, it permeates, right, as culture changes a little. So first it's diet culture, but then we've seen our culture shift into what, what is called healthism, where we're ascribing moral superiority to someone who is healthy or appears healthy. And then the breakdown is, if they see a fat body, they're assuming that you're not healthy. And so therefore- And that you're not taking care of yourself. Right. And total judgment because yeah. again, we know that a lipedema body, no amount of diet, no amount of exercise is going right. to change this thing. And I, I will have to say too, that when we started talking about the optimal plus, some people were like, well, you know, will it cause reduction? And yes, mm. but that's not the main thing. What I've heard yeah. from lipedema ladies is, right. I want to be more mobile and I want less pain. Right. And that's more important than the physical size of the body. Not right. saying it won't affect, but there's that yeah. judgment of what's, what should be the outcome. 
It's a bias. It's a culturally, we hear ideas over and over again, and then we internalize them. That's the, t the learning mechanism of a human because we're cultural, um, we're, we're, we're communal beings, right? Humans are, right? In the, in, the, in the animal environment, you see some animals are also communal, right? So when you hear an idea over and over, it, it, it becomes internalized, especially if there are folks in a, in a position of authority saying this kind of stuff. So first you have this idea that you need to have a small body in order to be worthy, right? And then <clears throat> you have to diet, diet, diet. And then there was this sort of a shift where they're like, actually, it's all about health. <laughs> so they just changed the packaging, right? So they're saying they someone else connected this idea that a small body is a healthy body. And there's a ton of research that says that's not true. We also know that thin-bodied people are not necessarily healthy people. But now I take issue with the idea that someone is better if they are healthy, right? And again, this comes from my dipping my toe into learning about ableism and disability justice. We cannot send human beings to the margins and say you are less valuable because you do not function in society in this rigid way, right? So, <clears throat> I, it is not a moral imperative for anyone to try to be healthy. Your humanity, your human dignity is not contingent on whether or not you are healthy, pursuing health, or pursuing ableism, or pursuing uh, mobility even, right? So uh, again, like, I think holding on to our mobility is a, is a good goal to have, but I am not better than someone else who isn't mobile anymore. And that's a distinction. Yeah. yeah. Worth. We are worthy as human beings. We are yeah. worthy. Regardless of our packaging, our situation, it is, you're not diminished. Yeah. And nor should we judge anyone. And that's why I love your message and your work and your art is so powerful. I, I, there's one with a butterfly that I mm -hmm. want to go to, which shows, ah, oh, this one, so beautiful. Let's talk about this one. Well, so this, I feel like the human experience, again, we're in constant transformation. Um, and this one, if we think about it as it relates to just our relationship with our body, there are a lot of beliefs that we have been culturally indoctrinated with that need to be deconstructed. And so if you read about the process of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, we know that they build their little house, this chrysalis. And then scientists have told us that um, on the inside, it's not just that a caterpillar is rearranging its parts. All of the, the cells of a caterpillar sort of turn to goo. Um, and then the goo <laughs> is a full deconstruction. And I feel like that's what I experienced. When I stopped participating in diet culture, when I stopped believing my body being fat was somehow wrong, um, <clears throat> there was a real deconstruction of an old worldview. And then what emerged was this beautiful, brilliant butterfly. And then I've seen that process repeat itself over and over again as I continue to get more free, as my body liberation journey provokes freedom in many, many more areas. So um, the butterfly feels really important to me. And also, you know, I should try to do an art piece someday about like the goo stage <laughs> because that's a really, really important part of the journey. You don't just overnight turn into the butterfly. Freedom, freedom requires the willingness to go dark. 
Freedom requires the real willingness to be deconstructed, to let go of all the things that you moor yourself to, right? Yeah. That's a scary proposition sometimes. When we have affixed our, our place in the world to certain external ideas, relinquishing them is a big deal. But there's freedom on the other side, and being unmoored also means you can fly. And so we hold on tightly to old paradigms, but sure. we finally give ourselves permission and nobody can do this for us. This is our journey. When we finally give ourselves permission to let go, yeah. then we yeah. are open to what, to receive something yeah. new. And, and that is freedom. It absolutely yeah. is. Freedom. Yeah. You know, it is a, a lifelong journey. And, you know, someone was telling me once they had, in fact, I'll stop sharing for a moment. They had a butterfly farm. Oh, wow. And yes. Isn't that the coolest thing? Like, I want to know someone with a butterfly farm. I want to go visit all the butterflies. And she saw this one chrysalis was not opening. Mm. And so she decided, well, let me help. Let me get in there and just do a little mm, 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 and let the butterfly emerge. Well, the butterfly emerged, but... It had no strength in its wings. Right. Because it's in the pushing against yeah. that you develop the strength. And I feel like a lot of lipidema ladies are pushing against, and it can be hard and it can be frustrating, yeah. but yeah. you are building the strength in your wings. And that is a message that is beautiful that I hope that you'll take. Whenever I'm up against it and I feel like I'm hitting my head against the wall, I'm like, okay, I'm just building my wings here. I'm just building my wings so I can fly. And as you build those wings, you deserve all the compassion you can muster for yourself. Like that's the beauty of self-compassion, right? You know, um, I think we talked about this a little bit, but like the journey of loving yourself, of taking away all those ideas that somehow you have to perform or be perfect perfect in any way you know perfectionism is a completely social construct it, it's not real nothing in nature is is perfect right there's variety in all of it right it's both perfect and imperfect right we don't have the expectations on all of the carrots looking the same that we do on human beings right so that's an invented yeah. idea um <clears throat> so as we're pushing against the sides of the chrysalis right even the same thing is true about like baby baby birds, right? Or any creature that lives in an, in an egg, they have to do the work to get out. So as we're doing that work, we get to say, I love you. I accept you as you are. I'm sorry for this pain. You know, whatever your practice might look like, you know, it could be a higher power. It could be your own higher self. It could be, uh, you know, God, any of those kinds of things, whatever resonates with you. Again, I am never going to preach like everyone should do it this way. I think everyone can look inside and yeah. find out what works for you. It's just like finding a treatment for lipedema that works for you, you know? Is it supplements? Is it the gym? Is it just the pool? Is it compression? Um, is it liposuction, right? Is it the pump? You know, so we have to find out inside. And in those places, through every step of the journey, we can be kind. We can be gentle we can offer ourselves compassion. I love that message. And I want to go to this slide here. That's so beautiful. I am love. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. And it, it was interesting. I, I feel powerful. <laughs> this it is powerful. has made me feel, um, 
alive in ways that are are just magnified and there's something about living in a large body and being okay with that large body that has made my ability to love myself and love all of humanity expand. Um, like I said, I'm a pretty spiritual person. So, you know, th th it feels to me in some ways that my physical body is an allegory for expansion. And um, I, I am love and I am the love that I offer myself. And then because I love myself, because I treat myself kindly and with self-compassion and I take naps and I don't believe in the hustle, right? Um, then I do have more love to offer the world in between my napping. <laughs> I want in between my napping. I'm a big fan of naps, by the way. Yeah. Anybody yeah. who knows me knows that I love what you wrote here. Thank you for letting me live free. Thank you, art and music and movement for connecting me to the divine in the world and myself. Thank you, community, for holding my hand on the hard days and for letting me hold yours. Let's talk about community for a minute yeah. because I've found that having a tribe mm -hmm. is so important to the Lipedema ladies that I speak mm -hmm. with, that knowing that you're not alone. And you're right. There are different avenues for everyone. There is no one size fits all, except there is one thing that works for everyone. And that is love. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's really I think what people find in these tribes of collections of people in the Lipidia yeah. community, what does yeah. it mean to you? Yeah. Well, if you don't mind, Brenda, um, I have learned that folks who identify as an indigenous people don't love it when we take the word tribe. So I use the word community or family or, you know, so if you don't mind my little pushback on that. No, I love it. And the fact is we're all learning. I think we all oh. have habits of speaking and yeah. I've heard that word used among the community, and so I, I employed it, but thanks for the pushback, so go for yeah. it. Yeah, well, you know, again, if we think about, like, I love to zoom out and just look at humanity and what a human is, right? And so we are social creatures. We were born that way. Sheltering in place is hard on us because we were not meant to live separate, we, we physically, our bodies need to be touched. You know, there's a lot of interesting science around, like, the healing power of hugging, right? Um, so, And in this time of social distancing, aren't we all especially challenged? Yeah, so we're, we're a little more vulnerable and exposed. But what I'm saying is that we need each other. Um, that's a human thing. And so it's interesting, again, like in Western culture, we're so independent, you know, and like you don't want to show your emotions to people or you don't want to rely on someone. You don't want to be a burden. Those are all social constructs. Those are unhelpful, right? Mm -hmm. The truest thing about humanity is that we're social beings and we need each other. Interdependence um, is how we were built. We were built for that. So of course, when you're having an experience in the world, it feels so much better to have someone with you that can reflect that experience back or can hold space for you in your experience. And I remember the first time I went to, well, the only time I went to like the Lipedema conference, the FDRS conference, um, I, it just, it felt kind of amazing to be in a space where everybody had this in common. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're a fat person or if you're a person with lipedema, you are often, um, you feel separate. And again, that there's dissonance because human beings were not meant to be separated. You know, those are cultural ideas. Um, <clears throat> we're meant to be in, we're social, we're meant to be in community. 
and we have that need, the need for our belonging. So, um, yeah, I, the, the people that I have found um, that feel like family to me and treasured friends, you know, again, Patty's really one of them. She's just amazing. Um, it, it, you, we, we can't do it alone, you know? And again, in the fat community, God, I love this community so much. They're really intersectional and they're brilliant and they're uh, very interested in justice and um, making the world more equitable for all of us. Um, so, so I some, you know, there are some people watching, they're saying, well, how do I connect with this community of people? Yeah. Can you give me some resources that we can share with our viewers where they can find people that are like-minded? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I have found the community on Instagram to be pretty impressive and amazing. And a, and a lot of it also is on Facebook. So, you know, I love Patty's group, uh, Lipedema Fitness, so much. And then, you know, you can follow hashtags, which, you know, I, I really love the hashtag body liberation. Um, and I love the hashtag fat artist. I use those myself. Um, and I follow them because I want to see other people that live in a body like mine that are also making art and that are also interested in pushing back on these cultural ideas that we've all been exposed to. Um, so, and then you can just keep going from there. And then I, I have made a lot of friends just through the internet. You know, um, someone likes my work or I see their work and I make a comment and it goes back and forth. The next thing I know, I have video chats with people from all over the world. Um, this coming week, there's these two women in India who are fat activists in India, and they asked me to be on a Facebook Live with them. We're going to talk about it. And I'm like, wow, you're in India. That's like so fun, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's just exploring and learning and following your curiosity. Ugh, the internet is great for following your curiosity. It sure is. I want one more thing. People poo-poo the internet and... Um, I would like to curb that if I have any influence because, you know, again, energetically, we're talking about like when I was riddled with shame, um, I felt shamed by the world around me. But when I was free of shame, I no longer felt that. And so the internet is, is magic, right? It connects me with all kinds of like-minded people. And so um, I know that some people use the internet for for tearing down, but um, I don't think that we have to throw away the whole thing because of that. We can use it for bringing light and um, yeah, and finding light. So follow your curiosity, poke around, look at all the pretty pictures on Instagram. Well, you're certainly sharing your light today with all of us. And I know we're running out of time, but there was an image that you shared with me earlier and I am not exactly sure where to find it on your Instagram. So it's pretty far so it might be easier if you go to the direct um page where i sent it to you oh i'm so not good at that and this is where editing will come into play let's okay. you you scroll, scroll, scroll. It's, how would i find where you sent it to me you would go to your inbox your direct message inbox mm -hmm. yeah yeah that yep oh <gasps> Oh my goodness, see, you're teaching me so much. Here we go. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's talk about it. I'm so proud of me. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Okay, so one of the reasons why I wanted to show this piece, because I feel like it sort of ties together our whole conversation. 
So um, this piece is called The Way. You see this figure uh, looking outside of herself. She's looking, she's on a map, right? And she's holding this light up and she's looking for the answers. She's looking for direction. And she doesn't know yet that the answers are all within her. She's got the map. It resides in her being. And so this is just an illustration of what it's like to be a human living in a culture that has a lot of strong messaging. Uh, the culture is going to tell you how to live your life. If you will abdicate that power, you could end up, you know, living a full life where you don't know you very well. But if you take that light and you point it towards yourself, you allow yourself to turn to goo and deconstruct all of these ideas, then you will find the most magnificent life available to us within ourselves. Yeah, we get to be the, the leader. We get to be the director. We get to be in charge. And that's sometimes a way to think because it's easier in a lot of ways to abdicate that. But to take responsibility for your own life and your own joy and your own power and your own dignity, it's powerful. I waited a lot of years for someone to come along and validate me or to, you know, be the reason for my happily ever after. And I told you this when we talked earlier. I realized that there was one person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with for sure. And that person yeah. was me. Yeah. So it was about time to start loving myself. And I think that is the power of your message. And I can't thank you enough for your time, your heart, your light, your wisdom, your message. It's going to resonate with so many people. And so with this platform, if you had some final parting words for the Lipedema ladies out there, what would they be? I think it would just be an echo of what we just said. Like, we have to um, offer ourselves compassion. It's a lot, especially if you're just learning about it. Um, and all the compassion in the universe is available to us to apply to ourselves. It's powerful. And, um, and that freedom is available. Um, and it's not an overnight process, but um, I, I absolutely believe it's available to all of us. So... Yeah, I wish you well on your journey. Beautiful. And you can certainly follow her at, Kath, at Catherine Hack. Her art will continue to inspire. We're so appreciative of you, Catherine, and that you've shared your talent, your heart, your gifts with us today. Thank you Yay. for tuning in. Yay is right. Thank you <laughs> for tuning into this edition of Lipedema Ladies interview series. We'll bring more inspiring women your way in the coming weeks. And we'd love to hear from you too. If you know of someone who would make a wonderful interview, hey, that's how I found Catherine Hack. Because Patty Cornute said, you got to talk to her. And I'm so glad <laughs> I did. And I know Yay. you glad too. Yay. So you have a great day, everybody. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to this edition of our Lipedema one-on-one -on -one interview series. You can watch the video on TLC, the Lipedema channel on YouTube, or on Instagram, IGTV, at lympha underscore press. For information on the most advanced pneumatic compression therapy in the world, visit lymphapress.com.